0: That's bästa best Carlson 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 här kommer here comes Carlson Ingen faktiskt ingen annan Carlson kan så bra som mig Carlson 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 scores seven oh yeah I don't know. Does that work? Anyways, thank you everybody for tuning in to the first regular season episode of the Keeper Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who at one point owned Eric Carlson in their keeper pools. But one of the guys who does once again own Eric Carlson in a keeper pool. That's me, sort of. Technically, I own him in a keeper pool, but I'm not going to be allowed to keep him. I think it still counts. Anyways, I'm your host, Elon Dubrowski With me, as always, the fantasy hockey robot, Brian calm
1: Hello, Elon. Hello, everyone. I might have gotten Al Yaksander I think there, were, there was ample opportunity than seven goals, yes. Anyway, good job, as always, and I'm really excited for this brand new episode of the podcast. We have all the information that you are thinking about and wanting to know and uh, are also not yet thinking about, but should be thinking about from the first few games of action in this NHL season. Yeah,
0: basically, if you're not yet stressed out about all of the potential players, you have to decide if you're going to add or drop. Uh, You will be after the show. We've got a huge slew of players we're going to talk about. So it's not going to be our standard keeping Carlson like midseason episode where we can really dig into the players and, you know, what their on ice shooting percentages have been and and things like that. We're just going to try to give you a lot of breadth, maybe not so much depth. We're going to try to go through a bunch of players and give you our takes after what, like one, two or three games for most of these guys.
1: Yeah, it's really tempting to react to what's happening, but I am not, or I'm trying not to react to the wild first few games of the season. It's always good to have like a a couple low-stakes streamers at the bottom of your roster, so you have fodder to drop for the most enticing and exciting free agents who have those one or two real standout games to start the year. But just the, the thing I need to say before we get started with anything is I am not seriously revisiting or revising any of my projections From before the year started we know things are wacky to begin the year defensemen goalies coaches they're all adjusting to how things are going to work this year for their teams and forwards are the ones who get to pounce all over that looseness and disorganization that reigns supreme for the first couple weeks and this isn't just anecdotal or a hunch i have let's compare the stats so far this year to last year we're averaging 3.23 goals per game that's up to what it's been the last uh, many years at the mid 2.7. So we're seeing like an extra half a goal per game. We're seeing three more shots on goal at least per game. And you can see that in some of the goalie numbers some amazing performances and we'll get to that later
0: yes we're gonna get to it all but I think that there's a couple projections we need to revisit maybe like Connor Shiri, maybe Kyle Post but we'll get to them okay before we dig into it all let's mention that we are presented by DabberHockey.com the best fantasy hockey website out there I'm subscribed to goalie post notifications so I get an email every single time a starting goalie is announced I recommend you do the same you don't want to get blindsided and find out that your goalie isn't actually playing but you don't have but you know, you didn't know it in time, so you didn't switch for your other goalie. So definitely check out Goalie Post and Dabber Hockey and, and the slew of tools over on Frozen Pools. But okay, Brian, let's get started. Obviously, with who the guy, the guy who I mentioned at the top, Alexander Ovechkin, seven goals in two games so far. He's playing again tonight, but that game, I guess, has just barely started. But, but before tonight, by the time you're listening to it, you'll have an extra game. Who knows, maybe he'll have 10 goals by then. But yeah, two, he had three goals against Ottawa, four goals against Montreal, washington's only scored 11 goals which is actually a lot for two games seven of them by alex ovechkin also 14 shots on goal only one hit for what it's worth if you want to say one negative thing about ovechkin usually it's pretty valuable in his leagues as well but whatever last year he only had 33 goals and 69 points after putting up 50 plus in the three years before that and you can even say four years before that because it was the lockout year where he was on pace for more than 50 are we ready now to say that last year's alex ovechkin was an anomaly and the old ovechkin is back Is he maybe even better now, now that he's so slim? Yes,
1: Skinny Ovi is in the house as he's been lovingly called by some of our patrons in the early days of the season. And I was expecting Ovechkin to bounce back, but I wish I could have predicted this. Of course, it's silly to talk about what this means for his whole season, whether you want to sell high on him. Like, who in your league is going to knowingly buy this high on him? Obviously, you can ask for the farm and try and get it reasonably, with all the hype that's surrounding him. But if you can deal him for like someone who's Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby, I think I still would, but no, you're going to be giving up a whack of shots on gold in the process. I'm not expecting seven goals every two games from Ovechkin, but I'm certainly expecting a return to almost form from previous years. Last year I'm convinced was way too much of a drop-off than we should have expected. Even if you're thinking about OV aging.
0: Yeah, actually, I didn't get to the question that you kind of answered, Brian. I was thinking, like, I wonder if you should sell high. I wonder if it's, like, crazy to even think about it. If you have Ovechkin, why the hell would you trade him? But, you know, going into your drafts, you would probably have taken Crosby or McDavid before Ovechkin, so maybe now you go to those people and try to make the swap, but like you say, you'd lose a lot of shots on goal. Anyways, maybe it's a silly thing to even think about. So yeah, Ovechkin, obviously, with him doing so well, other people benefit. Who knows? Maybe it's because of Genny Kuznetsov that Ovechkin is scoring all these goals, considering Kuznetsov has assisted on all seven of the goals So that's seven assists for Kuz, uh only one shot on goal and no goals himself. So clearly he's just dishing to Alex Ovechkin and then letting him do his thing. Also Jacob Varana has been on that line and he's benefiting. He's assisted on three of the goals and could potentially still be available in your league. He also has six shots on goal in the two games played. Only seeing second unit power play time, but do we get the sense that Varana is gonna hold this spot playing with Ovechkin? And if yes, do people need to jump on him ASAP? Like what kind of upside do you see for him this year if he stays on that line?
1: As long as skinny Ovi is flying, I can't imagine Barry Trotz is going to touch a thing with that line. You have a brand new line. Why switch it up now? 50 points if Vrana can hold the spot is what I think he's capable of. I do want to see his shot taking continue, though. As we mentioned last week, he had big but inconsistent bursts of shots on goal during his time in the bigs last year. So I want that consistency to start showing. He came in with a bang last year, he had nine goals in his first three games and it petered out aside from big wow moments every so often. Like I said, so I'm looking for consistency, but we're going to talk about a lot of these guys who you didn't know at the start of the season or were were fringe draftable or there were so many unknowns. Amongst the as yet unknown early season flyers, Vrana has a real case at this point in the season for making himself your favorite weapon.
0: Yeah, well, let's compare him to someone else on the same team. A lot of people going into the year, while maybe you're saying a lot of people didn't know about Verona, a lot of people were really high on Andre Burakovsky, thinking he was going to get that spot in the top six and really roll with it. He's been on line two with Backstrom and Oshie, just like we expected. And he has one assist and a shot on goal in the two games played. And actually, I see that Washington just scored today, and Burakovsky got another assist. Uh, Who would you want between Burakovsky and Verona? Going into your drafts, you probably would have wanted Burakovsky at this point. Would you take Verana over him? Like if you know you have Burakovsky, Verana's in free agency. Is that an easy swap for
1: you? So Burakovsky has already fulfilled those expectations of getting a bigger role. He's already up to two minutes more of ice per game compared to last year. Of course, early returns, that's the caveat, this whole episode. But his minutes now jive with what you'd expect a second line forward to see versus the top nine guy he was last year. I would probably swap Burakovsky out for Verona for the upside, But it's essentially all based on their current deployment. And I could see Burakovsky being the one closer to getting a turn on the top power play unit for what that may be worth to you. And remember, like this is a new line. Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Vrana. If they hit a rough patch, you have to think Ovechkin reunites with Backstrom. And then maybe Burakovsky and Vrana shift at some point as part of that equation too. Yeah, thanks to
0: at NHL for asking us on Twitter about that Burakovsky for Verona question. All right, Brian, let's move on to another team that scored a whole whack load of goals to start the season. Let's talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are currently losing 2-0 to Chicago. But we'll talk about everything leading into tonight. Uh, They destroyed Winnipeg 7-2 to start the year. Then they beat the Rangers 8-5 on Saturday. Their 15 goals have been more by committee than Washington's goals, who were all scored by Ovechkin pretty much. So like Hyman, Kadri, Marlowe each scored two, and then there was like nine people who each scored one goal. By the way, everyone, we told you about Hyman being someone that could do something, playing with Matthews and Nylander last week, and uh, he's been doing pretty well so far. So hopefully you listened to us. Anyways, yeah, JVR, Marner, Bozak have been playing together to even strengthen on the power play. All have three points so far. Bozak actually is probably the one you could maybe get. He's owned in only 54% of Fantrax leagues, even though he's on this good line. And he was on this good line last year. Like last year, Bozak put up 55 points in 78 games. I feel like no one was projecting him to do this again. But maybe should we? Like, should we expect him to at least match his production from last year? I know, Brian, you used to really not like Tyler Bozak back when he was playing with Phil Kessel. And you would always say, whenever he was doing well, like, it's not going to last. And you were usually right. Have you changed your mind on Bozak, or is he still someone too that should just be a free agent?
1: So before I even answer that question, I just want to give everyone a tip. If you're assessing what the Leafs have done, if you're like, what am I supposed to do with these 15 goals they've scored? I know it's not going to continue. Remember, they've looked so deadly, but it should normally take them five games to score as many goals as as they have rather than the two games that they were able to pop 15 so even if you do take like you could still take the team's current distribution of how they've scored you know for each player and each player's share of that scoring that could be an accurate representation of the season to come but you also want to consider the numbers they've put up in these two games as they look over five games if you want to try and make the most sense out of them and even then it still looks a little wonky from early season variants just a tip anyway answering your question about Bozak Elon why why not why shouldn't he hit 55. The thing with Bozak is that his on ice shooting percentage has bounced around wildly over the last five years or so. He was up over 10% with playing with Phil Kessel for a couple years. Then he fell down to 6% for Kessel's last year in Toronto and another after that. Then he bounced back up again above 10% in on ice shooting percentage last year. But essentially, for the last five seasons, the picture I'm trying to paint of Tyler Bozak is that an average on ice shooting percentage has eluded him. He's either been a couple points above or a couple points below the league average number that we generally expect. I honestly don't know what exactly that means, but I do know that I have called for some on-ice shooting percentage-related regression from Mitch Marner, his linemate. So it would be kind of hypocritical or at least inconsistent of me to spare Bozak the same treatment, which is why I'm actually going to downgrade from the 55 I initially said in my answer, Elon. I'm going to say but uh, Tyler Bozak is reliable for 50 points, especially since he's still playing with JVR and Marner. And he has the upside for more is what I'll go with to, to get him to 55. Obviously, if he can spite the on ice shooting percentage gods again this year. Yeah. So, okay. Basically, he's someone that in a
0: really deep league, he should probably be owned in a shallow league. If you're saying 50 points, it's probably like you're going to add him in dropping depending on if Toronto has a good schedule. They're playing today. They're playing Wednesday. I don't know. And then after that, there's a bit of a break. Uh, Another name I want to bring up from the Leafs is Patrick Marleau, who has come out really strong playing with Kadri and Komarov at even strength and then Matthews Nylander on the power play. So, Pretty good deployment, at least on the power play. Leafs have a pretty solid top nine, it's looking at least in these first two games. But yeah, Marlowe had two goals on five shots versus Winnipeg, then a power play assist versus the Rangers, and one shot on goal. I remember back when I talked to Chris Wassel in the summer series, he suggested this exact scenario. He said, Marlowe might come out strong for the Leafs, and he said, maybe you should draft Marlowe and then sell high while you can. And now here you go. He's come out strong. Do you concur that now's the time to sell high on Patrick Marlowe? Like is his value higher now than it will be for the whole rest of the season? Or maybe will he go back to being the 57 point guy that he was like three seasons ago?
1: I am all about selling Marlowe high here. If you were one of the people who drafted him likely against our advice, you could reap the benefits Uh, or you could still think that we're wrong and holds him continuously but Marlowe is on a leafs line that's going to be tasked he's with kadrian komarov they're going to be tasked with some of the tougher minutes this year which is going to be interesting to see because historically patrick Marlowe has been a guy who doesn't really hurt or help his team significantly in the shot attempts battle but i guess if he doesn't end up with Kadri and komarov where else does he slot into the lineup Anyway, I'd be looking for more power play specialist type offensive numbers from him, which should put him closer to 50 than 60, to say the least. Even 50 might be a tad generous, depending on how many power play opportunities the Leafs see and how successful and useful Marlowe's is able to make himself on a top unit. Okay, yeah. so if you have Marlow, definitely don't drop him at this point. He's doing well. But see, see what you can get. There's a lot of Leafs fans out
0: there. Who knows what they'd give you. Might as well at least put him on the block and see what offers come in. Then you can tweet at us. At Keeping Carlson, we'll give you advice on whether we think you should take it. All right, so let's go to another team that has scored a whole ton of goals, including two tonight so far, the Chicago Blackhawks. They started their year with a 10-1 win over Pittsburgh and specifically anti Niemey, at least, to start the game. And then they beat Columbus 5-1 on Saturday. Like I said, they're already winning 2-0 today. Some interesting line combos rolled out by Chicago to start the year for these first two games. In game one, Patrick Kane lined up with Nick Schmaltz and Ryan Hartman. Like, who had in the preseason predicted that Ryan Hartman was going to be on that Patrick Kane line? But anyways, Schmaltz had two goals and an assist versus Pittsburgh, but then he got injured at the start of the Columbus game. Unfortunately, he's still injured. We don't know yet exactly how long he'll be out. He's probably worth stashing, I think, if he's still available in free agency. Apparently, Patrick Kane was very high on playing with him. It sounds like Kane wants to play with him. I don't know how much that's worth, but I'd imagine if anyone has some sway in the Chicago Blackhawks locker room in terms of line combinations, it's probably Patrick Kane. Anyways, Alex Debrinkit took that schmaltz spot after being in the bottom six in the first game. No points or shots on goal versus Columbus. And now word is Anisimov will center Hartman and Kane tonight. So that center spot seems to be going all over the place, but Ryan Hartman... Has been there all three games, including today. He was the big surprise to be on that line as he wasn't on our radar at all during the preseason, like I said, and he had five points versus the Penguins, then an assist yesterday versus Columbus. We'll see what he does today. Okay, then another player on Chicago who probably a lot of people didn't draft or think about going into the season is Richard Panic, who's been playing with Taves and Saad on the first line. And by the way, Taves, three points before today, Saad, five points. I guess there's going to be a lot of points to go around when you play against Anti Niemi in your first game. Um, yeah, Panic has scored in both games and has taken four shots in each. He also put up an assist versus Pittsburgh, so he's been really good. Then I'll, I'll throw out another name, Patrick Sharp, who's been on the top power play, even though he's been in the bottom six and he had a goal and assist in the first two games. So Brian, all of these Chicago forwards that I've mentioned, not named Kane, Taves, and Saad, which ones would you say are like must-ads and which ones would you leave on the bench? Maybe you could give a quick ranking of these guys.
1: Sure. Okay. So I like both Schmaltz and Hartman quite a bit playing with Patrick Kane. I like them for more points than we've seen Anisimov get from that same spot, even with Artemi Pernarin out of the picture. and. Just any questions about Chicago deployment. I really expect a revolving door through the first couple weeks as Chicago seeks and searches and mixes and matches looking for their optimal lineup. Ryan Hartman is the one who particularly interests me as someone we'd noticed putting up some fantastic shot rates last season and who's so far continuing in that vein, but of course with considerably better deployment when playing with Patrick Kane. So I'm going to go Hartman first, then Panic schmaltz sharp de is my conservative chicago forward power rankings and if i want to swing hard for my chicago forward power rankings i'll reorganize them just a little bit i'll go hartman still first then schmaltz panic to and sharp
0: okay so if you're saying if you swing hard you're still having hartman first
1: yeah he's first either way i think i might
0: have schmaltz first actually why so- because I think he's more likely to be centering that second line. I think Hartman's more likely to get bumped at some point, but we'll see. I, I, I have a feeling Schmaltz is going to be there. He, he was looking really good, but I guess that so was Hartman. That's fair. Okay. Uh, by the way, Dave is mentioning in the chat that they took away the Burakovsky assist. So if you're listening tomorrow and you're like, why did you say Burakovsky got an assist? He didn't. Maybe he didn't. Okay. Let's now go to another team. Let's go to the team that was on the wrong side of that 10-1 to shellacking the Pittsburgh penguins definitely an interesting three games so far for them matt murray led in five goals on 34 shots against st louis to start the season in a 5-4 loss then there was that 10-1 loss to chicago where niemi led in four quick goals then he got pulled and then murray led in the final six goals on 31 shots so that was one of those things it's always tricky in fantasy do you leave your backup do you leave the goalie who's not playing in your lineup you know just in case he gets brought in in this case people who didn't expect murray to hurt them or help him that day ended up like destroying a lot of people's matchups i don't know Brad, Do you have a quick take on that strategy like when you're you get what i'm asking right
1: yeah it depends what you need like it, it you would want to if you want to protect your goalie stats then no depending on whether it's the starter or the backup of course you can have a little more faith in starting matt murray when he's not scheduled to start than starting anti niemi when he's not scheduled to start or uh, i i like to usually go for it I, I put my guys in there especially when i'm looking for games to play i think you manage it you, you just pretend what would I want if they are starting and make sure you do the same thing, even if your guy isn't supposed to get the nod.
0: Yeah, I guess there's examples on either side, right? Like we had this bad Murray situation, but then we also had Yaroslav Halak. I think it was in the first game of the year, like Grice really blew it. And then Halak came in and like, you know, stopped all the pucks for the rest of the game. And then today, actually, Chad Johnson sucked on Buffalo and then Leonard came in and, and let stopped all the pucks, you know, after he came in. So hard to say. Anyway, okay, back to Pittsburgh. So first of all, Miami sucks. Right, we actually had a really fun patron cast last Thursday where we were discussing Niemi before the game started. And then uh, it was really fun as the game started, just seeing goal after goal against Niemi, just confirming my prediction from the preseason that Niemi won't be in the NHL by the end of the season. That's my prediction. Anyway, okay, let's talk about a bunch of these Pittsburgh guys. So first of all, Niemi, like I said, forget him. How did Pittsburgh not claim Calvin Pickard when Vegas dropped him? They clearly need a backup. They had a chance there. We'll get to Pickard later. Okay, Connor Sheary, Brian, let's talk about him. He got demoted to the bottom six during that Chicago 10-1 loss, and he stayed there on Saturday, and then he's been skating as an extra at today's practice, apparently, so he couldn't even be scratched for the next game. Not good for Connor Sheary. He started the season playing with Crosby and Gensel. We thought he had a good chance to repeat his numbers from last year, but now it's kind of starting to look like last year's playoffs, at least at the start, very nervous about him. I think I'm changing my projections. So I'll be interested to hear what you say about him. Then on the other side, the guy taking his spot has been Brian Rust, who is playing now with Crosby and Gensel. He put up two assists in that last game where he played with them to go along with his two assists in the first game of the season. He also got second unit power play time in the last game. So my question to you, should A, should people be rushing to drop Connor Sheri and or should people be rushing to add Brian Rust? Do you think this will last? If it does, is Rust someone that needs to get on people's rosters immediately? What kind of upside do we see with him?
1: Very bad news for Connor Shiri. I was going to say worse news for his owners, but no, it's probably personally worse news for Connor Shiri of all people. I added him the game that he was demoted for, like hours before that, thinking I was brilliant, didn't work. If you're looking at Brian Rust instead, though, I would not swap Shiri out for Rust. Because as we've said previously, Brian Rust in that spot even next to Crosby is still only reliably good for about half a point per game, while Shiri still maintains a lot more upside. I have to think that the longer-term vision for Shiri is to get him back involved in the top six. Though, at the same time, by my count, this is the third time in three seasons that he's dropped out of that spot for one reason or another. I would rather hold my breath on Shiri than running to Rust, or at a more compelling free agent than Rust if I'm to drop him. I think you can do better on your free agent wire. I don't know.
0: Uh, I think I might have to do my second respectful disagreement of the night. Uh, playing with Sidney Crosby. There's not many players who I think like immediately launch someone into fantasy relevance. But playing with Sidney Crosby, I think that's one of those guys. And Brian Rust is definitely someone that interests me at this point. We'll have to see. We'll revisit next episode.
1: Yeah, I'm just saying. We, we talked about before what he was able to accomplish with Crosby even in that plum spot. And it was not a lot more than a 45 point pace. So yeah, great deployment. But some guys, you have to adjust for what they've been able to do in the past in that spot. But yes, you were very respectful in your disagreement. So I appreciate that. Thank you.
0: Uh, well, I mean, small sample size also in like how much time has Rust really played with Crosby. And also, we don't know. There's also Jake Getzel as part of the equation. And I'm sure the three of them haven't played very much together. So we'll have to wait and see. I'm excited for Rust. I might take a flyer on him. Another name I'm curious to know if you would take a flyer on, Brian, is Oli Matta. Someone I remember you used to love on the podcast. I think you have to go back like three seasons ago on Keeping Carlson. You were telling people, hey, everyone, I got a secret. This guy, Ole Mata, is going to be really good. And you should be grabbing him, especially in your keeper leagues. He had 29 points his rookie season, which is pretty decent for a rookie defenseman. But he fell out of favor hard in fantasy. And it seemed like on the Penguins, right? He had so many injuries. And last year, he had only seven points in the 55 games he did play. But this year, coming out strong. One goal, one assist versus Nashville. Two goals and one assist overall. His ice time also went up to uh, 21 minutes in the last game after being in, you know, sub-20 before that. Could he become fantasy relevant this year? Should people be looking at Olimata? Mata?
1: No. No, they shouldn't. I, I don't remember loving him as much as you said I loved him. There was a time where he was getting some surprise power play deployment in that rookie season where we said, oh, well, we'll see where this takes us. But I think we started him with a clean slate the next season, saying you don't want him unless you know he's getting power play time. And that's essentially how his career has played out. He averaged 18 minutes a game last year and had only played 16 and 17 minutes in his first two games respectively before seeing 21 minutes in that Saturday night contest with Nashville. But before you read into that as a deployment bump for Ole Mata, look at the ice times from that game for Pittsburgh defensemen, and you will see five blue liners, all with at least 21 minutes as they shared Ian Cole's workload amongst them after he left the game with that grotesque mouth injury. So he still appears to be in a bottom four situation with no great fantasy relevance until further notice.
0: Wow. Okay. Great job, Brian. Way to look into it and pour some cold water on the people who are getting excited about Olimata. Mata. Yeah. Save the ad for someone else. Uh, okay. Uh, one more guy on Pittsburgh, I guess I should mention. Looks like Patrick Hornquist will be back in the lineup. He's been practicing. But the interesting thing to me is it looks like he won't be bumping Jake Gensel from the first power play, at least according to today's pa- practice. Hornquist was still on the second power play, Gensel on the first power play. So great news for Jake Gensel if he gets to hang on that first power play, even with Hornfist in the lineup. Yeah, did you
1: notice, by the way, those Hornquist for Bozak rumors that swirled really crazily but from no legitimate source for like eight hours before opening night? People were talking about it like it was a done deal.
0: Kind of like those rumors today that Shippashov wants to go back to the KHL Then right away he tweeted or something saying like, that's not true.
1: Yeah, we're going to get to that. But <laughs> but like that, the Hornquist thing, it didn't happen, uh, which actually, just to focus on Hornquist for a second longer, it's probably unfortunate for him, we talked about him at the end of last year as someone who might be able to benefit from a change of scenery. In the short term, if he can't work his way back into a meaningful scoring role with the Penguins, he remains fantasy irrelevant. Mostly, it's still even hard to say as a guy who had that scoring upside in Nashville, had it when he arrived in Pittsburgh as a 60-point player, and then like his role has changed.
0: Yeah, like I think it obviously depends on your league format. If he is going to help you in hits and shots on goal, like if those things count, then maybe he's worth owning. But yeah, he's definitely a lot less interesting for straight up points and power play points if he's on that second power play. Okay, Brian, before we move on to Shippashov and that whole crazy situation in Vegas, let's talk about another popular thing people do in Vegas, which is bet on sports. And you can do that with our brand new sponsor, FanDuel. We're so excited to be sponsored by FanDuel. Fantasy hockey fans, the wait is over. Hockey is back back, which means daily fantasy hockey on. Fan Duel, for those of you who don't know, it's like you get to play fantasy hockey, you get to basically pick your team, but every day you get to pick a different team. So if you're like frustrated, just like, oh, why did I draft Connor Shuri? Don't worry about it. Just don't take him the next day. Grab Brian Rust for a cheap value deal. But yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. You could play for as low as like a dollar. So you just, you know, throw in a buck, have a good time. Maybe you could uh, take in a lot more, get an increase. Uh, I joined a league last week. We actually have our Keeping Carlson Fan Duel League, which Brian's going to talk about in a little bit going every week. And last week, I came so close to winning, Brian, but I went against my advice, which I've been giving all preseason, which is not to invest in goalies. But I spent a big chunk of my budget on Devin Dubnik in the game against Calgary, and he lost. Should have spent less on Mike Smith.
1: He looks pretty good in his first game, not so much in his second. Anyway, you mentioned this listener league that we have. You should join it. It's like a fun, low stakes way to, to play against Elon and I. You can play in our listener league, It runs each Thursday at 7 p.m., but that means your lineup can be set as of Wednesday around 8 p.m. Sometime Wednesday evening, the league will open, so just refresh a million times, at fanduel.com slash Carl. That's how you join us. Again, the league opens each Wednesday night around 8 p.m., and then you'll actually compete against us after you set your lineup beginning at 7 p.m. on Thursday. It's a lot of fun. Someone needs to take Elon down a peg.
0: Yeah. I mean, I did so well. I I projected, I picked Ovechkin. I got his hat trick. I picked Krejci, got his really good game. But then the goaltending, because Jonathan Quick had a shutout that night. And so all the people who had Quick ended up leapfrogging me. So in case you didn't catch that, fanduel.com slash Carl. Get in there Wednesday after 8 p.m. and set your lineup for Thursday. It's going to be a lot of fun. And that's Carl with a K. Okay. Yes. So Brian, let's move on to Vegas now. So lots of crazy stuff have happened this week for the Vegas Golden Knights. Let's try to get through it all. Vegas, they waived Calvin Pickard. The whole story there is actually Boston waived Malcolm Subban. So Vegas took Subban. Then they waived Pickard. Then Toronto... The like Pickard cleared waivers, but then they ended up trading Pickard to the Leafs for a player and a pick or something. So whatever, the Leafs now have Calvin Pickard. Vegas's backup goalie is Malcolm Subban. So FYI, I'm sure Subban's going to get in some games at some point, though. Flurry's done really well in the first two games, so you know I don't expect Subban to be very relevant. But anyway, okay, this is the tip of the iceberg for Vegas roster talk this week because they, I guess, have too many unappealing players that they drafted and they couldn't trade them all. I'm talking about in the expansion draft, so they ended up having to start the season with both. Vadim Shippashov and Shea Theodore in the minors, just so they wouldn't have to lose all these other guys for nothing, which is kind of crazy because those are the two guys who we thought might be fantasy relevant this year on the Golden Knights, and neither of them are playing. So this is a disaster for anyone who drafted these guys because you can't put them in IR spots. They're just hanging on your roster, wasting a spot. Brian, what should Shippashov and Theodore owners do at this point? Do you drop them, or do you think they're worth holding on to until this all gets straightened out because their
1: upside is so high? Any sense of how long all of this can take? Yeah, so for the rumors that Vadim Shibashov is going to the KHL, as we alluded to earlier, I will believe it when I see it. His agent, Peter Svoboda, the legendary Habs defenseman, one of my first favorite players ever for some reason, he's already denied the report. But even if Svoboda hadn't denied it, again, it's not something I'm about to buy so quickly. And as you sort of mentioned, Elon, what an embarrassing situation for vegas all around what a terrible start to a franchise imagine how hard it is to explain how hockey works to their fans to start with not to say anything about vegas fans i'm sure they're wonderful but like the stories i remember when they went into nashville and atlanta there were all these fan education campaigns this one just got a lot more difficult you've got your first line center and your top build offensive defenseman toiling in the minors on paper Well, general manager George McPhee figures out how to rid himself of the guys he accumulated because of his apparent misread of what the trade market for them would be, which he probably should have seen coming when he was only able to flip Mark Mathot for as much as he got back. I think that was back in July, Elon. And one of the suitors for him was the Sens. They were just trying to trade like a third round pick. Anyway, I guess you hold on to Shipachov and Theodore in your league. If their projected production would still put them a step ahead of the next best free agents, it's kind of tricky since both are essentially brand new commodities in brand new deployment on a brand new team. But you can take some short-term pain for some hopeful long-term gain while they, their agents, and Vegas management continue trying to work out the quiet things that no one ever knows.
0: Yeah, I guess I would just add that it kind of depends on your league and how tight it is and, like, how hard it's going to be to make the playoffs. Like, Brian, in the cupful, there's only six out of 14 teams that make the playoffs, and the top two teams get a bye, which is so valuable to get that bye. And it might be, like, one or two standings points that makes the difference. So it is tough to hold on to one or two roster spots, you know, being wasted. I I don't know. It's a tough decision. I guess it also depends, like you said, like, who's in free agency, how much of a downgrade are we talking if you drop these guys. But, yeah, I wish I could help you. This really sucks. Okay. Okay. The crazy thing with all of this is that Vegas has still won their first two games. Two to one versus Dallas, two to one versus Arizona in OT. Three of their four goals have been scored by James Neal. Neal, the guy who had a disappointing 23 goals and 41 points in 70 games last year in Nashville, all of a sudden now he's got three goals in the first two games. Do you think he's going to comfortably best his numbers from last year. Can he do better than his 41 points in Nashville? Now that he's in Vegas, he's playing with Cody Eakin and Peron. though perhaps that all changes once if slash when Shipashov arrives.
1: Of course he can. He's going to get much better deployment than he saw in Nashville as a declining shooter. And he's going to get back into a role where he's thrived for years, albeit as a younger, more capable shooter. So I, I don't know how high he can get Again, 50 points seems to be a reasonable cap of your expectation for anyone playing for Vegas this year. But he is certainly emerging as the guy who might be the best own as long as Chipishov's in the minor. At least we'd sort of had Marcheseau so tab for that role. But to his credit, James Neal is, is running away with it.
0: Yeah, I think if you have Marsh, So at this point, you could probably drop him. I don't know. Tell me if that's premature, Brian. I don't really care much for him. I also saw Riley Smith was going to be projected to be the top line, top power play with Shifishov. Obviously, that change in his value goes out the window. Right now, it's looking like you just want James Neal and uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, who has been better than I expected he would be for sure. If you go back to Schmork goalies, I said, eh, don't worry about him. But no, like, maybe Vegas is going to be an okay defensive team. At least they seem to be in these first two games, though they have been against, well, Dallas is a team that normally scores a lot of goals and then Arizona. So I don't know, like Fleury's looking really good. Maybe there's going to be a lot of saves for him to have. Like, Am I just like reading too much into two games? Is Flurry the same guy he was going into the season as he is now, in your opinion? Or have you gotten higher on Flurry at this point?
1: I'm no higher. I'm Marc-Andre Fleury. Maybe that's not fair. As like I backed him a lot as a regular season goalie who is very capable and underappreciated for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but I just don't see things keeping up the way they are in, in Vegas. They've squeaked by a couple matchups. Flurry stopped how many shots, Elon? More than 40 and at least one of them. I don't have the numbers right in front of me. I don't see that continuing all season long, especially in the absence of a capable backup who might be there in Malcolm Subin. But from what we've seen so far from Subban, it's not a capable backup situation. Okay, and I guess
0: I'll throw out one more player you could look at in Vegas. If your league counts blocks, maybe take a look at Jason Garrison. He's put up six in each of the first two games for the Golden Knights. He's getting 20 plus minutes of deployment, obviously better than what he was getting in Tampa Bay. And obviously they're letting in a lot of shots and he's blocking a lot of shots. So maybe that's something that will be a consistent source of blocks for you. Jason Garrison, throwing it out there.
1: Yeah, and I'll also throw out there in the meantime, while Shay Theodore is down in the minors, quote unquote, it looks like Colin Miller and Nate Schmidt are the power play quarterbacks with Colin Miller being the one on what looks to be the better unit. It's hard to call it a number one power play unit, but it's probably the better one in Vegas.
0: Okay, so... By the way, we were talking about surprising goalies in Marc-Andre Fleury. Let me, Brian, I'm going to give you a bunch of goalies who have surprised me in the first two games. Of course, all of this, like we said at the top of the show, right? It's been like a couple games. What can you really say? But these are some goalies that we had very low in Schmore Goaliesborg that have done very well. Let's start with and Varlamov. Like, I'm so excited because... I personally have been benefiting. No one drafted him in my Cupful division. Couple, by the way, is the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League. It's been a lot of fun so far in the first two weeks. Anyways, we'll get to that later. But yeah, Varlamov wasn't drafted. And then we used the Fab Free Agent Acquisition Budget System. And I got him for $0. Just picked him up the next day. And he's been amazing. He made 37 saves in the 4-2 win over the Rangers to start the year. By the way, both of those goals against, both of those two goals were shorthanded. So he didn't let in any even strength goals. Then today, he had a 29-save shutout versus boston so that's no even strength goals against and like he's doing great is the old varlamov back remember back when varlamov used to be really good and we thought maybe the team's not that great but he's still a really good goalie is is it time or maybe should i also lower my expectations because it's been two games anyways i'm really happy to have him i feel like if he's available if he's available in free agency right now people should jump on him
1: right right We've seen Elite from Varlamov before, but we've also seen injured, inconsistent, and downright awful from Varlamov before. So hey, it's hard for me to get super pumped about him especially. But I guess Colorado's looking okay early on. So if there's a goalie scarcity issue in your league or you have an early injury, I don't think anyone's out except Ben Bishop, I, although I think he's expected to be to be back pretty soon. I guess you can grab him if you want an extra insurance policy or you want to deprive the rest of your league of him as an option if you want to be sneakier about it. Colorado, again, a lot of people are getting excited about what they're seeing. Uh, They've begun the season by marginally improving in their ranking in the league in shot attempts per 60 minutes, though that's more of a function of other teams struggling out of the gate than the avalanche making any certain improvement that we know is on purpose. But the Avalanche do appear to be struggling slightly less out of the gate than about 10 other teams, so I guess that's good for them. That would hypothetically make Varlamov's job a little easier, but I'm still not counting on them offering him any real protection. He's going to have to be elite all season long if his save percentage is going to survive, at least until the average hockey fan can name more than two members of the Colorado d corps
0: Huh. oh so you, you're saying okay uh so barry and eric johnson and then oh you're right that is tough zadarov i know was there i think i can name three but okay i, I get your point but well, still good start
1: well for the trivia for anyone listening you can you can answer it now you've got chris bigra anton linholm andre miranov patrick nemeth but great job on nikita zadarov way to go okay so, than yeah. the average hockey fan
0: there you go okay but varlamov still very exciting and yeah it is interesting maybe one of the biggest storylines of the year so far that colorado doesn't stink like they just beat boston who does stink by the way maybe tukarask stinks I, like brian like varlamov versus tukarask might become a question people have to ask him but okay let me continue with the goalies that are impressing me and then we'll get to the goalies who i'm very nervous about so another guy jimmy howard we had him in the tier with like varlamov and mark audrey Fleury of like starting goalies on bad teams going into the year but varlamov he helped lead the red wings to two wins to start the year four two over minnesota then two to one over ottawa in the shootout he has a nine 961 save percentage in these two games, so he's been great. Then we have Jacob Markstrom, who's only played one game, but he stopped 35 shots in a 3-2 win over the Oilers on Saturday for the Canucks. So yeah, Varlamov, Howard, and Markstrom, three goalies who I saw in free agency in a lot of leagues, all
1: starting the year strong. Uh, I don't know. Do you have any general takes about those two guys, Howard and Markstrom? Well, with Howard, we're getting a bit of deja goaltendu with this early season magic that we're seeing from him. <laughs> he had a 961 through his first seven starts last year, and then proceeded to be 913 through his next several appearances, uh, the rest of the season, essentially, some of which were brilliant, others which were awful, and that's both before and after he missed time due to injury. Uh, what Howard's play means is that it's bad news early on for anyone counting on Peter Morazic to have a wide open door to return to the starters crease, uh, but of course I'm not ruling it out as something that can still happen later on. As for Jacob Markstrom, another case of some early season magic That we saw last year in Vancouver, when they won their first four games, they only gave up six goals across those four victories to start the 2016-17 season. Then the Canucks proceeded to be the Canucks, dropping nine straight, averaging three and a half goals against through that spin in a very yucky, canucky kind of way. So I think what you're asking me, Elon, really, is whether I believe any more in Vancouver or Markstrom. Or the Red Wings or Jimmy Howard more than I did one week ago at this time just because of how they've played recently. My answer is no, I do not. But I'm keeping an open mind more so with Howard than with Markstrom. Of course. Yeah. Classic
0: Brian answer. Two games are not gonna sway you. But definitely I I like your what you said before. You snuck that in. There's a strategy in fantasy hockey that you could just pick up these goalies just so no one else can, and then you could have dibs, and maybe for a week or two you have you know, more goalies than you were planning to have. But at that point, if they still do well, maybe you could trade one, get a nice little profit for him. And if not, then you drop him and whatever. You had an extra goalie for a week. So something to consider if your free agency list basically has Howard, Markstrom, and then a bunch of backups. Maybe you do want to just grab Howard and Markstrom and don't let anyone else do it. Uh, Okay, Brian, let's go to the other side of the coin here. Some goalies who have been brutally bad. And then maybe as we go through them, you could talk about whether maybe, I don't know, if, if Varlamov is available, if you would swap one of these guys for him. Let's start with Steve Mason. A guy who you used to like, but I think you've told me you're you're done with Steve Mason now, right? He got pulled in his first game versus Toronto after letting in five goals on 20 shots. He then stayed in for all six goals against versus Calgary on Saturday in the 6-3 loss. Hellebuck will be playing today against the Oilers. Who knows if he'll be able to do well. Maybe he'll be able to steal the job. But Mason has not been good in his first two games with Winnipeg. Like, is there any reason for Mason owners to hold on?
1: After years of pumping Steve Mason's tires... Sick transit, Gloria. Glory fades. It's been too long since he's been as good as I've always talked him up to be. He's at the point where he needs to show me what he can do instead of me having to refer to numbers that are further and further behind us in the rear view mirror. I need to see something from him before I get excited about him again. Of the goalies you're about to ask me about, Elon, I'm going to spoil it right here. He is the one I would drop for Semyon Varlamov albeit reluctantly, because I still think the Jets are going to be good. I think there's some coaching issues that certainly need to be worked out. Something is still very broken in Winnipeg for their goalies, and I'm not convinced it's actually the goalies. That said, Steve Mason cannot get the benefit of the doubt until he gives us a good run again.
0: Okay, so how about now? Let's talk about Tuka Rask. I'll, I'll actually tell you three of them, Brian. That maybe you could comment on all of them. So Tuka Rask, two bad starts so far. Three goals against on 29 shots in the 4-3 win over Nashville to start the year. The three goals against today in the 4-0 loss to Colorado. So Rask, you know, was inconsistent last year. And like, just overall, I'm not too excited about him. Like, it just doesn't seem like he's really that good anymore then we have martin jones in four goals in the opening five three loss to philly and then got pulled after four goals against versus la in their 4-1 loss and aaron Dell, by the way came in and was perfect in relief i have a feeling he'll be getting some starts soon so martin jones put him on the pile with tuka rask as two goalies who were drafted probably decently high as starting goalies that might not be good and i'll give you one more brian Henrik Lundqvist, though, he's like, I guess, being typical Henrik Lundqvist because he stunk for a couple of games. And then, of course, he got a shutout yesterday. So he's just up and down. I guess no surprise from Henrik Lundqvist.
1: No surprise. We saw that up and down all season long last year. Going back to the guys you mentioned already, Ilan Tuka Rask. We know. We know this is how things go for Tuka Rask. They went really well to start last year. Then they went poorly. And then it was up and down to the point that it was essentially average the rest of the way so he's a guy who can really help you some weeks blow up your stats others similar to Lungfist that way and then as for Martin Jones you've got to look out for Aaron Dell if you own Jones and are counting on him for starts I sure hope you have a plan b and or plan c in place I called it before the season I don't want to be right although I kind of want to be right of course I want to be right that's a silly thing to say although I wish Martin Jones, the best. Oh my God! In the 2017-18 season. <laughs> Why? Arendelle, oh, so you. Aaron wanna... is my pick for the most likely guy to replace his starter by the end of the season.
0: Brian watches hockey games and cheers for both teams to win. <laughs> it seems
1: like. No, I have a party next week. I'm cheering against both. How about that? I cheer for the person, though.
0: I, I don't believe you. You're sort gonna of be happy for whoever scores.
1: Some of them aren't great uh keepingcarlson.com slash party by the way this saturday in toronto be there but also rsvp
0: yeah check it out it's gonna be a lot of fun we hope to meet you you get to meet us and we get to meet you i'd love to meet our listeners after all this time okay right so we're talking about goalies like okay so this is not a bad goalie i'm about to say i'm i'm bracing myself i know i'm gonna get a lot of heat for this but i'm just gonna say it i'm not saying he's bad but i just wonder if we maybe oversold him a little bit in schmore goalies by putting him in the top tier carrie price Uh, is he really like a top tier goalie at this point? Like, yeah, he did well versus Buffalo and the Rangers but uh he got shelled by Ovechkin right and the thing is the Habs seem to not be like a good team like the thing is like Price is fine and he's gonna keep doing well I'm sure he'll be an above 920 goalie for the most part this season but the Habs aren't very good and I don't know if he can help them win enough games to make him a tier one goalie like their defense it seems like it hurt them to lose Markov like who do they have back there you talked about how on Colorado it's hard to name the defenseman you know it's not that much better in Montreal it seems or maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I'm just getting the sense that I would rather have maybe one of our tier two guys from Shamora Goaliesborg than... Carrie Price like maybe a a Crawford or a Talbot or a Frederick Anderson like all these teams I think will win more games I don't know if it's worth it to get Price over those guys I wonder but then the question becomes if you agree with me like do you sell high now if you have Carrie Price because you know there's still people who think of him as like an elite tier one goalie and maybe now's your last chance to get like a really good return from him or am I wrong and like maybe should non-Price owners be going after him right now because for some reason, I'm dumb
1: and he's actually really great, and you should try to get him if you can. Before you softened your take about maybe he's just like the difference between him and Crawford and the next tier doesn't justify the difference, before you softened your take with that, I was about to tell you that this is a very early candidate for your worst take of the season. It could still be up there. I might still be being a little kind to you. Buy low on Carey Price. If Elon owns Carey Price and is in your league, Buy low. Like, if you think, okay, if you think you can downgrade Carey Price to Devin Dubnik or Corey Crawford or one of those other guys, and in the process, you get a more significant upgrade at forward or defense, and your goalie categories are like in the cup full, they're two out of seven, or if they're three out of eight, whatever. Sure, uh, the difference between Carey Price at the end of the day and that pack of goalies might not be as significant as the difference between the skaters that you can involve in that kind of swap. But Elon, Carry Price is a tier one elite goalie. I'm not worried. We've talked a lot about how it doesn't really matter how good Montreal is because Carry Price is going to win 30 games by himself and the Canadians can help him win a few more by their virtues. Remember early season, lots of new faces on the Montreal blue line this year, not to mention the sort of new one behind the bench. It's crazy to make the leap from Carry Price being elite to being non-elite at this point, and I certainly shouldn't need to tell you that you're a host of the Keeping Carlson Hockey podcast. You know right, this. Bro.
0: Uh, okay, first of all, I'm not talking about him as a goalie. I still think he's an elite goalie. I'm talking about a fantasy goalie. I think he might be more of tier two because I think one of our criteria for tier one is a goalie on like a really good team that's going to get a lot of wins. I don't know if I believe you that he can help Montreal get all of those wins that he needs to for tier one. I'm not like saying he sucks. I'm not saying to drop Carrie Price. I'm saying that I think he belongs in tier two. Okay, I'm not like going, I think it's a little harsh for you to say. It's like a horrible take for me to say he's maybe tier two and not tier one.
1: The sum of what Kerry Price can do and what his team can do, I think still resembles what Braden Holt and his team and what Matt Murray and his team can do. I think Kerry Price is the best goalie in the league. So he can play a little better than them, even if his team plays worse than their teams do. Although I, I agree with you, Montreal is not like there's a gap between Montreal, Pittsburgh, and Washington, but Montreal's got a pretty nice division and Carrie Price barely needs a team in front of him to win games some nights.
0: I mean, all right, Bobrovsky had a better save percentage than him last year, but okay, let's move. Oh, fine. Uh, Speaking of disappointing people, on Montreal. Not that Carrie Price has been disappointing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Carrie Price is amazing. Okay, but this guy has been disappointing. Maybe it's not his fault, but a lot of people have been asking us for permission to drop Alex Galchenyuk at this point on our patron-only Facebook group. He has no points. On six shots on goal in three games so far, playing with Dano and Shaw on, I think, line three in terms of ice time. So bad deployment, no production. Seems like the coach doesn't want to put him into a situation to succeed. I've been actually telling people that I think they should drop Galchenyuk for guys like Nemesnikov, who will get to like, you know, these free agents, maybe like a Verana, you know, people who are on their top line and producing their... Do you concur that these Galchenyuk owners can let go or do you still think he could reach that potential and the hype that we had for him? Like, I remember last year we really liked him.
1: Yeah, we really liked him for many years. But at this point, especially if his if there's somebody appealing to you in free agency, I think you can stream him out. Of course, he has that deployment upside, but we've been saying that for three years and he has not gotten the deployment for long enough stretches to be worth holding on to when he's not in the best position to score. The payoff on Galchenyuk, he's still really talented and the payoff is going to be good if and when we ever get to that payoff, but I'm not that into waiting anymore. If you draft him, you've put yourself in kind of an awkward position where you have this guy who has huge potential, but few opportunities to realize it. So you have to decide yourself whether you're going to wait that out or not. My solution to this problem, if you have Galchenyuk on your roster, is to just not draft him it's almost like a Duchesne situation from last year, Elon, and Duchene from sorry. last year.
0: What was, You said your solution, if you have Galchenik on your roster, is not to draft him. What, what does that mean?
1: No, that's what it would have been. Like, you made a mistake by drafting him. This is how I avoid this situation. Or being in this, the, like, Duchenne is an excellent comparison, both last year and this year. You're drafting a guy based on his incredible talent, but a history of not getting a chance to show it off.
0: Yeah, obviously, it seems like you made a mistake by drafting Galchenyuk. Probably people listening that have him on their roster don't need to be berated by you, Brian, for their horrible mistake. They need to know if they should drop him. I think if you have really good options that are producing, I think you can. Also, if a guy like Nemesnikov, I'm just throwing him out there, we'll name a bunch more guys like that. If someone like that is still available in free agency, that probably means that people aren't going to be jumping on, you know, a slumping Galchenyuk if they didn't jump on a surging Nemesnikov. Hey, man, you reap what you sow. Okay, you you suck. Actually, any listener who has Galchenyuk, you you suck at fantasy hockey.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's not. But no, just joking. But you okay. need your bed, so lie in it. All right. So another and, guy. And I really hope that Galchenyuk gets better for your team.
0: Yes, of course. Well, here's that someone, Brian. Now that makes me think that I might suck at fantasy hockey because I have this guy on a couple of my teams, and he's also done nothing. Kyle Poso on Buffalo, no points yet in three games. Six shots on goal, that's not very much. Two shots a game. He was bumped to the third line today with Reinhardt and Pouliot, so not even playing with O'Reilly anymore in the 6-2 loss to New Jersey. I guess they lost 6-2, so maybe that means they're going to shake it up again. And Akposa was still on the top power play, so there is some silver lining, but it's only three games. But we were actually chatting over text, and you mentioned to me that you think that Akposa might actually not be as good as we thought going into the season. This is another guy that maybe we need to alter our projection. Curious to know what you think. Like, how long would you wait before acting on this suspicion that we might have been wrong about Kyle Akposo?
1: (sighs) this is a really hard one because he's a guy I've drafted so many times in the last few years as an under-the-radar pick with huge upside. But with the way the season has started, I find myself asking, okay, well, when's the last time Akposo's production has impressed me? And so I looked back a couple years ago in 2015-16, his last year with the Islanders. He had 64 points in 79 games. Very impressive. And then in his debut as a Sabre last year, he started strong with seven points in seven games played. But then he did nothing for the next 42 games. He had just 24 points in that spin and was an absolute waste of a roster spot. He did come on late with 14 points in his last 16 games of the season. But even that, that puts him up to 38 points over 58 games after the first seven games of the year. Anyway, I'm getting into a lot of numbers here. What I'm saying is that the entire body of work has been wanting, even though he's had a couple strong runs. I'm not loving Okposo's inconsistency. I still wish him to be a solid scorer with 60-point upside, but the opportunity in Buffalo certainly just isn't there right now for him with the most recent line combinations. And remember also that Akposo was a splashy acquisition by what's now the previous management regime in Buffalo. It was Tim Murray and Dan Bilesma who were around when he came to the Sabres, and Okposo has no connection to the current GM and coach Phil Housley. They have no loyalty to him. As you can hear, I'm pretty down about Okposo, so just watch him. I guess he's someone who's on my roster who I'm sort of treating like a Galchenyuk, someone I feel like maybe, just maybe, I can drop him, and if I'm quick enough to re-add him again, I can reap the benefits when he does end up in a good position. But for now, I think I'm still going to hang on for another week.
0: Yeah, well, Brian, we both have him in our joint league. And we were chatting today. We didn't pull the trigger yet. And we still can. We have him on our roster. And Paul Stasny, top line, top power play Paul Stasny, is just sitting there in free agency doing pretty well. We'd also have to drop Shipachov though cuz we have him in an IR plus spot and he's no longer eligible for that. So, that's a decision I'm mauling over if we just drop Shipachov and Akposo to get Paul Stasny. That's the kind of decision I guess a lot of people might be making right now. Maybe you could give Akposo. He has still three more games this week. Maybe give him those three games. See if he can get back in the top 6. If not, I have no room for bottom 6 people on my fantasy rosters even if they're on the top power play. Like I don't want Sam Gagne on my fantasy team, okay? All right, but anyways, on the other side in buffalo how about that evander kane he had an assist and 11 shots versus montreal then two goals and assists and eight shots on goal in the 6-3 loss to the islanders and then even though buffalo kind of stinks and they lost again today 6-2 to he scored both of those goals and he had seven shots so if you count it all up that's four goals two assists and 26 shots on goal in three games very bander came, 26 shots on goal he's playing with eichel and Pominville at even strength so a great line to be on he's getting second unit power play time so he is getting some power play time he's obviously not the kind of guy that's going to help you a lot on the power play but if he can stay healthy and i know that's a big if is he the odds on favorite to lead the league in shots this year like even higher than ovechkin I, or at least can he compete with him it seems like he could he takes so many shots i also feel like if he could stay healthy all year he should be a legit shot to score 40 goals right Oh, and if that's not enough, he even had six hits today. So he's helping you all over the place.
1: Yeah, he had not really registered much in the hits category, Elon, if I'm remembering correctly from his first showings. But Evander Kane is definitely the number one is looking real good this year guy on Twitter these days. Lots of tweets every time he plays. Oh, he's flying out there. He's looking better than ever. Watch Evander Kane. And it's all very exciting because these are things we've wanted to say about him for so long. It's been a while since we've been able to. And he can certainly do both of those things that you mentioned, Elon. He can lead the league in shots. And if he does, he's got a shot at 40 goals, even though he's historically been a low percentage shooter. So it might not be as automatic as it would be for anyone else who matches his shot totals. But we know better with Evander Kane than to get ahead of ourselves with him. So if you own him, Pat yourself on the back. Enjoy it now. Hopefully it lasts. If he's a free agent, snatch him up as soon as you can. If he's on someone else's team, try not make an offer, but don't offer the world. See if you can find an owner who is worried about his injury risk or inconsistency and is willing to sell high, but not that high.
0: Brian, okay, sorry. This is going to be my third uh, respectful disagreement here. You're not going to get Evander Kane for a fair deal right now. He's, like, tearing it up. Don't, like, try to trade for a guy that has 26 shots in three games and has, like, six points in three games right now. That seems like silly advice. If anything, I w- would have thought you'd say if you have him sell high, if anything, if you don't think he's going to be able to keep it up and if you're worried about his injury risk.
1: It'd be very hard to sell high on him right now because he could be healthy. It's like if Latang does this well... I guess you'd also try and sell high. So try and sell high if you own him, I guess. I don't know. I think hold him. I think he's good. I'm I don't know. That's what I, said. Won- I said I said hold him. And now you're telling me sell high, so <laughs> I said okay, I could see that. Then you go back to so you're just a contrarian.
0: I guess. So. Well, I, I was more responding to when you said to go after him if someone else owns him. But yeah, I guess you see what you can get for him. But it's very, very exciting. Hopefully he won't get injured on the next podcast. Hopefully we haven't jinxed him. Okay, we're still talking about some disappointing players. How about a guy who's very disappointing because he hasn't even played yet is Brock Besser, who a lot of people drafted thinking he could be a rookie of the year candidate this year. And he was surprisingly scratched for the Canucks first game on Saturday versus Edmonton. A lot of people drafted him, ha- had high hopes. Like I said, he put up five points and 25 shots in nine games at the end of last season. I asked on our Facebook group, um, how long would you hold him? Like if you drafted him, any sense of whether he'll get into the lineup soon and where he'll slot in? And thankfully our prospect expert, Cameron Robinson responded and said, so Brian, I'll just quote it. You can just take this one off. He said, I think we'll see him in the lineup soon, perhaps not next game as the team played well against the Oilers. When he does get in, it'll either be next to Horvat." or on line three with Gagne and Burmistrov. I think people need to be ready to see him bounce in and out, and likely even a minute or two in Utica. Vertnin has really earned his spot, and there's really only one spot on that right wing that's available with Dorset owning the fourth right wing slot. So that doesn't sound very good. Thank you, Cam. And that doesn't sound very good if you're a Brock Besser owner in a one-year league. Seems to me like you could drop him. I also saw on World suggesting that both Besser, and Vertinen's games would be limited to like 50, 60 games because they're like not used to playing full seasons because they came from the NCAA.
1: You told me I could take this one off, so.
0: All right, let's just move on then. Let's talk now about some players who have had great results with unexpected deployment. I want to start with Vladislav Nemesnikov, who I brought up before. He won the lottery in Tampa Bay as he's been playing on line one in power play, one with Kucherov and Stamkos. Three points, two on the power play to show for it in the first two games, six shots on goal. We thought Braden Point would get that spot, but he's instead been doing just fine with Palat and Yanni Gourd on line two as Point has a goal and two assists, or he had a goal and two assists in game one versus Florida, and then a goal and assist in the second game, two shots on goal in each game. So actually also Tampa's playing tonight, I believe. So you could go check yourself exercise for the listener. If you want to get an updated account of how Nemesnikov and Braden Point are doing, but Brian, who would you rather have? I think this is always an interesting fantasy question. You have Brayden Point, who I seem to get the impression is like really good and is maybe showing that he could even drive his own offense, but he's not in as good a situation. Or you have Nemesnikov, who is on this great line and on the top power play. Who would you want between the two? And are both of them guys that people should be rushing to grab off a of free agency if they're available?
1: You could definitely add either one of these guys right away if they're available. They'd probably be better than your deepest forward in most pools that aren't so shallow. The thing with Nemesnikov being on that top line is I can see that spot rotating as it did last year. If you remember, Elon, every time Nemesnikov was just getting settled there, in came someone else to what had been his spot, and he got bumped elsewhere in the lineup. Braden Point, in my mind, is still a candidate to get time there, as is Alex Killorn. And heck, even Ryan Callahan, who's been there at weird times before, maybe Andre Palat, Chris Kunitz. There are a lot of pieces in Tampa that we've seen shifted before. So I'm sort of expecting that to happen again. In the meantime, absolutely ride Nemesnikov. And it's really great that Braden Point is still getting points away from that top line. I'm not sure how much a long-term sacrifice though I'd make to get Nemesnikov just because there's no plan B. If he doesn't end up on that top line, it's unlikely he's going to be Maybe unlikely is harsh, but you can't count on this sort of production. So if you're dropping somebody who's a step above the rest of your free agents to get Nemesnikov, you just might find yourself in trouble at some point when you might want to replace him if his deployment does change. So between Braden Point and Nemesnikov, if I'm picking one just for today, I'll go Nemesnikov. But I have a little more faith in Braden Point being able to produce from anywhere on the depth chart that I do expect to shift. But we'll see. John Cooper has fooled me before.
0: Yeah, I guess the bottom line is both are really good options. I think I would go Nemesnikov. I'm just a sucker for a top line, top power play guy. But I do think Braden Point is the better player. So it is, it is tough. I think you can't go wrong either way, hopefully. Okay, so another player that did well that no one was expecting is Will Butcher in uh new jersey and actually another guy who will bring up in this segment is jesper Bratt. So there's a lot of people on new jersey that brian i'm going to admit i didn't really know much about a week ago and now we've got to talk about them so let's start with will butcher who was recently signed out of the ncaa and it looked like in their first game versus colorado he stepped in as the top power play defenseman and he had three power play assists versus colorado he led him to and that led him to go for 26 dollars in my cupful division yesterday and i wonder if the person who picked him is disappointed because will butcher played again today and it didn't go as well no points no shots on goal he still got some power play time david severson also got power play time it's hard to say like who's the top power play defenseman It looks like today they were going evenly for two units so we'll have to see But regardless, Will Butcher definitely had an amazing start and is going to get power play deployment on a New Jersey team that seems like they're capable of scoring goals, right? Like they scored a few goals versus Colorado, and then they had six goals today against Buffalo. These aren't the best competitors, but still it's nice to see New Jersey scoring some goals. Maybe the top power play defenseman on the team, and maybe that is Will Butcher. Maybe that person is fantasy relevant and someone that you should add. Though on the other hand, uh, no shots. You know, he's not really helping in hits and blocks. You're not getting anything out of Will Butcher unless he's getting points for you. So is he someone you're rushing to grab in any of your leagues?
1: So first off, who is Will Butcher? A short introduction. He's a college free agent out of the University of Denver where he hadn't been far off of a point per game pace in his last two seasons there. Signed this past summer with New Jersey after being pursued by several teams and his deployment so far in New Jersey, getting that power play time is probably one of the main reasons why he decided to go there. There aren't many places in the league that Butcher could just jump in as he's gotten to with new jersey as for what he's accomplished so far elon you did a good job of summarizing it i'm gonna repeat three power play assists against colorado though and nothing against uh buffalo today six goals by the way for new jersey i'll, I'll comment on that for a moment getting off of will butcher buffalo looked terrible today on defense uh in and Beaulieu looked lost out there And Chad Johnson was the last line of defense, and that didn't work out so well, although his coach didn't blame him in the quotes that I was reading afterwards. Anyway, those three points that Butcher scored, that was still the first three-point game registered by a Devils defenseman since Adam Larson managed the same feat against Vancouver two and a half years ago, back in the 2014-15 season. Uh, Butcher played 15 minutes, 46 seconds today. That's three more minutes than he played in his first game. Elon, did you ask me if he's worth more than Severson right now? Well, why don't we just discuss it? So I asked you if you would jump and grab
0: Will Butcher, but I guess, yeah, you might as well tie them together. Maybe, because sev- a lot of people were excited about Severson going to the season. They assumed he would be the top power play defense, but now it looks like a bit of a competition. Do you want either of them on your team?
1: Kind of. If I'm desperate, I'll take one of them. And I will say Will Butcher... Could be worth more than Severson right now just because of upside. But that says about as much about Butcher's value as it does about Severson's, to be honest, which is pretty low.
0: Yeah, to me, it's like the low ice time and the no shots and the no blocks make him not so interesting to me, even if he's going to get a power play point every couple games or so. Uh, Okay, Uh, though, like I said, there's other people on New Jersey that we have to talk about. So another person who was having a great game versus Colorado was Kyle Palmieri. He had two power play assists before he got taken out in a knee-on-knee collision with Eric Johnson. But this led to some guy named Jesper Bratt who was a big brat I don't know okay I don't know I just want to throw that in that didn't make any (laughs) sense he took his spot he took Palmieri's spot on the top line with Holland Zaka and he also got on the power play and he delivered he had a power play goal and a power play assist and then today Jesper Bratt stayed in that spot and he had another two goals and an assist it's like who's this guy and is he someone that people need to rush to add at least while Palmieri is out I assume once Palmieri's back and apparently it's not serious he's traveling with the team I assume Jesper Bratt goes back down to, I don't know, wherever he was before in the bottom six. I, Brian, I honestly don't even know who this guy is.
1: Yeah, a lot of us don't. All we know right now is that Jesper Bratt is another devil on this pod raging besides Z. Z for Pavel Zaka, of course. But who is Jesper Bratt specifically? Sixth round pick, 162nd overall in 2016. He played for two years in the Swedish Elite League, but not a top six contributor, for Almana Idrosklubin is Hockey foreigning, better known as pronounced as A-I-K. I can't say I know much about Brett. I'm not going to lie. I've read only the general prospect speak about him being a player who can be quick and creative but needs more development. The good news for Brett is that there really aren't a whole lot of people to compete with to get top six minutes in New Jersey at the moment. And Bratt sure is making the most of his time. there, staking a claim for when Palmieri, Stafford, and Zajac all return. Steve Laidlaw, Dauber Hockey, former guest of the show, he said he drafted Brat late this year with Victor Arvidsson in mind. Not saying that he thinks Brat can be as good as Arvidson, but he could find similar opportunity and take some advantage of it. And that's what he's done so far.
0: Yeah, so again, we don't really know what his upside can be just because once Palmieri is back, we assume Brad goes off the top power play and off that line. But I mean, he's definitely making a name for himself. I don't think though that this is like bad news for Palmieri. Like he was doing really well. I'm sure he'll be fine. But yeah, if Palmieri, you know, if news comes out after this and he's going to be out for another week, I think you might want to jump on Brad at least for the short term. Okay, one more guy in New Jersey I should mention, Brian, let's point out New Jersey's now 2-0. and And though the games were against Colorado and Buffalo, like we said, Schneider has been very good. So perhaps he's another person we may be underestimated. It's more Goyesborg, or maybe we should wait and maybe we'll see a more realistic version of Corey Schneider when New Jersey plays Toronto on Wednesday.
1: So New Jersey was my dark horse, if you'll remember before the season started, as a team that everyone projected to be terrible, but somehow could find a way to win some games. That's what they've done so far. I'm definitely not ready to call this a win though. You look at their defense, it's super thin. We just talked about the absence of a power play quarterback. Now they're dealing with some injuries It's going to be a slog, but if Schneider can perform up to what we've seen him up to his best, which might be a bit of an ask, but say up to 90% of his previous best, obviously the devils are already way further ahead than they were last year. Another devil who I'd like to recognize today with three points today, two goals and one assist, Marcus Johansson. That's what he's asked to be called in New Jersey. We have to remember that we've got to do Marcus Johansson, right? No longer Johansson.
0: Okay, fair. And yeah, he had a good game. And we'll see. Obviously, he's going to do pretty well. He's on top line, top power play, or maybe second line, top six, top power play for Marcus Johansson.
1: Yeah, the the downside to Johansson is he has two goals on two shots this season. He had no shots on goal in the first game, which was a 4-1 win win over Colorado. And then he had only two shots. Luckily, he scored on both of them today against Buffalo.
0: Man, Brian, I think I blew it in the couple this morning. Uh, I'm just following the scores now, and apparently Panic has scored. And I got Hartman. I could have had Panic. My opponent got Panic. I picked the wrong guy. Hartman's doing nothing today. I think you got to change your whole list. Ryan Hartman playing with Patrick Kane. Not. Good. No, I'm just kidding. This is me being extra reactionary and watching box scores. I'm sure a lot of our listeners do this. But okay, let's move on to another name of a player in a spot that I totally didn't expect him to be. Another guy who I will admit I didn't know like very much about at all going into the season. Did you know that Devin Shore has been on the top power play in Dallas instead of Jason Spezza? And he's done well. He actually has two power places to show for it. One in each of their two games. So I guess the same as my question I asked about... Yesper brat. Who is Devin Shore? Is he gonna hold this spot on the top power play? Playing with Ben Sagan and like uh Klingberg? And Radulov, like that's an amazing power play spot that we assumed would be Spetsa, And that's why a lot of people drafted Spezza, assuming he could still get like 55, 60 points, even though he's not on the top line. I feel like if I was a Spezza owner, I'd be super worried, just as worried as like the Okposo owners and the Shiri owners should be. So yeah, should people be jumping to grab Devin Shore? And should people be rushing to drop Jason Spezza?
1: Devin Shore, the latest in a long line of Shores who have been mentioned before on this podcast. We've talked about Nick. We've talked about Drew. And Devin has about the same cachet with his name. He's a 23-year-old, six foot one, two hundred and five pound, late second round pick from back in 2012, though. That was the draft that he was taken in, which is why he's 23 now. He was above a point per game in his first HL season, which actually only consisted of 23 games. And then he followed that up with 33 points in 82 games as an NHL rookie just last season with Dallas he had never been a big shooter though which is one thing that concerns me last year he was last amongst all-stars regular forwards in shot attempts per 60 minutes he has seen so far about 90 seconds more vice time in the games he's played compared to last and that's about all I have to say for now about him we'll see if he stays there I know I'd prefer to have Spezza in on that top power play unit but it looks like Shore will at least get a squirt in the role he's in now
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, Jason Spezza, I would be very nervous about if I owned him. He's in the Akposo category for me, except not even because Akposo is at least on the top power play and Spezza is not. He has an assist though so far this season Jason Spezza also has nothing so maybe they're about similar uh okay by the way on Dallas Tyler Sagan has 19 shots in two games he was tied with Evander Kane going into today so we'll see if he can keep pace maybe he Evander Kane and Ovechkin will be the three vying for the top shots lead until like one of them gets injured and then the other two it becomes easier okay Brian, you know who's actually third in shots or who was third in shots on goal going into today's game behind Evander Kane and Tyler Sagan, who were tied? And I guess you do because you prepped for the show and you saw what
1: I wrote. Yeah. Pavel Buchnevich. No, I totally, you say it. You say Pavel Buchnevich. No, it's not him. You even read, you even read it. Pavel Buchnevich
0: (laughs) doesn't take a lot of shots. No, it's Mika Zibanejad. Oh yeah, of course. (laughs) Zibanejad had 15 shots so far in three games, to be fair. But still, that's very good. 15 shots in three games. Four of his 15 shots have gone in, three of them on the power play. So Zibanejad's clearly enjoying being the top line, top power play center on the Rangers. And having Shattenkirk there certainly hasn't hurt. Like I said, Zibanejad has three power play points in three games. This is a great spot for him. It seems like there's like no competition. He's just going to be there all season long, maybe playing with Pavel Bucinievich and Chris Kreider. Maybe Zuccarello will take that spot. But yeah, like you said, or like I guess we're about to say, Bucinievich has been playing on line one with Sabanajad and Kreider and on power play one with those guys and Zuccarello and Shattenkirk. And Bucinievich has two assists so far. So maybe he could be like a 50 plus point guy potentially with this deployment. So basically in conclusion... I should say, like, uh, Zabanejad you have to add, he shouldn't be a free agent in your league. He's looking really good. He even takes shots on goal, which I don't think a lot of people thought he does going into the season. But clearly, he does, or at least he has so far. And then you think, if he's not available, if it's a deeper league, and you can't get guys like Kreider and Zuccarello, do you take a jump into Pavel Buchnevich land?
1: It's like we're trying so hard to pronounce his name right that we're just butchering it in the process. We've done it very... Anyway, uh, Mika Zabanejad by the way, I'm not... Terribly surprised, even though I butchered my answer to you. My opportunity to act proud about knowing that Mika Zvekanogad is taking a lot of shots this year. He started pretty strong last year. He was averaging more than three shots a game in October. That was his first nine games of the year. The rest of the way really cooled down. But there was that moment, and that moment is happening again to start this year. Bucniyevich, by the way, good to get excited about him. Good to keep him on your radar. But please remember, Buciniewicz was not in Alain Vigneault's good graces like for big chunks of last year. And he actually started the season with not dissimilar employment to what he's getting this season. The big question with Buciniewicz is, will his minutes begin to fade as they did last year after a strong deployment start? In 2016-17, he started seeing occasional low minutes in his sixth game beginning at his sixth game, and then you saw a drastic reduction in his minutes before game 20. So if you want to take him for a spin, just make sure you're watching Buchnevich's time on ice numbers very carefully.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously in someone's rookie season, they're not going to have as good deployment as once they have some more experience. So not to say that the past, you know, is definitely going to predict the future, but like you say, something to watch, keep an eye on his ice time. I totally agree with you, Brian, but for people, you know, like obviously we'll have to see. It's a new year. Hopefully he's you know, gotten into shape. One of these guys who in the summertime has improved himself. We'll see. Good start to the year. And by the way, Zuccarello, even though he was bumped from the top line, doing just fine on line two with JT Miller and Rick Nash, uh, like a goal, four assists in three games. Great stuff for Zuccarello. He's awesome. Okay, let's go to Philly now. Sean Couturier has held on to his primo spot, centering Giroud and Voracek. Not many people called this in the summer. You assume Giroud is going to be a center, but no, Giroud's gone to left wing. We'll see if he gets his, you know, left wing eligibility in fantasy platform soon. But yeah, Sean Couturier becomes someone who's probably available in your league if he hasn't been snapped up already. And he has three points in three games, 10 shots on goal. I imagine he should be at the top of people's watch lists, if not yet owned. Sure. Okay. Uh, Another guy, by the way, we said all summer long that Evgeny Dadanov should be great on the top power play and top line in Florida. And we were not wrong. A goal and two assists in two games so far. I'm not even going to ask this question. Like, Dadanov should be owned in all leagues. No question. I feel like there's no reason why he should be a free agent in any league. Yep. Okay. Let's go to Boston bergeron and bacchus have been out so boston's been running some interesting lines in the first game they had creche with anders bjork and jake DeBrusk, and they killed it in the first game creche had three assists DeBrusk had a golden assist bjork had an assist of course this all got uh washed away a little bit because today they all got blanked in the four nothing loss to colorado bjork had three shots on goal so that's something. But yeah, how high are we on guys like Bjork and Debrusque compared to, say, Verana and Hartman? Like, are these free agent guys to watch or people that should be owned, like, right now?
1: I'm higher on the other guys than I am on Debrusque
0: and Bjork. Okay, well, Brian, maybe you'll have more to say about this next guy on Boston. Charlie McAvoy is some of the people who were really excited about going into the season, especially because Tory Krug was injured and he really did well in his first game. He definitely made everyone who was pumping up. Charlie McAvoy feel pretty good. He had a goal and a power play assist in that first game of the season. He was the top power play defenseman. He played 22 minutes, all was great. Then today, Tory Krug came back. And so maybe that changes things a little bit. Uh, Krug took back his even strength and power play minutes. So Charlie McAvoy had a dip. McAvoy only played 19 minutes and 28 seconds and was on the second power play unit. So I feel like at this point, maybe people need to lower their expectations a little bit. It doesn't seem like McAvoy has stolen Krug's job, though Boston didn't score a goal today. So who knows? Maybe they want to go back to McAvoy in the
1: top unit, but probably not, right? Probably not. Tory Krug shouldn't have anything to worry about in terms of his spot being taken by Charlie McAvoy. But the operative word there is he shouldn't have anything to worry about. Of course, the Bruins know they have a sort of experienced, semi-proven-to-be-capable replacement for Krug. But Krug is really one of my favorite power play quarterbacks and offensive defensemen with the amount of shots that he puts on net and the amount of points he collects through assists, uh, lots of them coming from rebounds that come off those shots. So I am definitely in the camp of Tori Krug. If you have Charlie McAvoy, you can hang on for another week if you want and see. But I really expect that Torrey Krug should be the guy who goes the rest of the way.
0: Yeah, maybe McAvoy has upside to be like a Provorov, like still doing pretty well, even though he's not the top power play defenseman. But that would be also like really good. Like Provorov, I think, is helping you also in a lot of categories. We'll see what McAvoy can do. Maybe too bad we didn't do an episode after that first game, because then we could have said so hi at McAvoy because he had that first really good game.
1: Yeah, yeah. In Provorov is probably a pretty lofty goal for McAvoy, so I am—I uh, don't think you need to hang on to him. Hoping he's going to be that good.
0: Okay, so now let's go to Detroit, who, like I said, when we were talking about Jimmy Howard, has had a really good start to the season. Mike Green had four assists, two on the power play in their first game, and then Mike Green had a more typical Mike Green game with no goals, no assists, and no shots against Ottawa. So I think that's his thing. He's sort of inconsistent, but he could help you in spurts with assists. I say you could. Maybe sell high on Mike Green if you can. Like if people are just going to look at his total numbers, obviously four points in two games looks amazing. I don't know what you can get for him though, but I'm not especially excited for him, even though he had that really great game. The... People that I am kind of excited about are this line of Mantha, Dylan Larkin, and Martin Firk, who's another guy, by the way, who I didn't know going into the season. All have had multiple points and a bunch of shots after these two games played. We were really excited about Mantha going into the season, and it seems like he's doing well. And perhaps Larkin can bounce back from a disappointing second season that he
1: had last year. And Brian, who is Martin Firk? Well, Martin Firk, his agent, Alan Walsh, or at least former agent, I don't know who he's represented by currently, but Alan Walsh had told us all on Twitter years ago that he's firkin' great. It was like a tweet that happened all the time when he was playing for, I think it was the Halifax Mooseheads in the queue. Uh, And Alan Walsh tweeted that about as long ago as when he was telling about how Andre was pavelectric. So take Walsh's opinion with a grain of salt, of course. Firk was a mid-second rounder back in 2012, 24 years old. He just turned 24, stands six feet, 200 pounds, for those who want to know that much. Uh, He's taken a long route to get to the nhl four years in the minors including two stints in the echl he was claimed off waivers by detroit from carolina who claimed off waivers from detroit the year prior recently he's been doing all right in the ahl though 94 points in 132 ahl games played over the last two seasons and he's been amongst the grand rapid griffins top scorers Both years, he scored the Calder Cup game-winning goal last season. But none of this tells you what you want to know. Is he going to be good for the Red Wings this year? Well, what he's known for, as far as I can tell, is having a great shot, but not much else. And really hadn't expected to see a whole lot from him at the start of the season, even though he did make the team to begin. Maybe can edge out a place in Detroit's top six for himself with his big shot as the Red Wings are sort of in desperate need of legit scoring threats. But it sounds like he's also going to have to keep the rest of his game in good shape as well to maintain that spot. As for what you said about Mike Green, Elon, we referenced some early season magic before. He's one of those guys. Last year, he had seven points in his first five games. And then he was a 35-point pace the rest of the way, which sounds decent, but there were still long, long spells of despairingly poor production. And we're definitely a far cry from what you expected after those seven points in his first five games. So I still expect this season to go the same direction. Maybe he'll start hot, but he doesn't have any new opportunity this year that he didn't have last year. So I'm not counting on more than a 35 point pace for most of the way from Mike Green. And I think you mentioned Dylan Larkin, Elon, about whether he can keep it up now. He can, he's off to a good start. I'm not counting on him returning to what he was able to do in his rookie season but I'm not going to count him out either.
0: Yeah, I guess we'll have to watch and see how this line goes. Two games. It's really hard. We're doing our best here, guys. We're just throwing a bunch of names at you that you can add to your watch list. Again, maybe tweet at us, give us a couple more games, and we could try to help you out to make these decisions of who to add. Let's end the show, Brian, in St. Louis. Great start to the year for this team. 5-4 win over Pittsburgh, a 4-2 win over Dallas, and then they won 3-2 today over the Islanders, Lots of standouts so far, but the one who may be available in your league still is Vladimir Sabatka, who's been on line one with Stasny and Tarasenko. I don't think a lot of people called that. A lot of people thought maybe Shen would play with Tarasenko, but no, it's Sabatka. And he has three assists in three games so far. No shots in the first couple of games, but four shots today. I'm not really sure if he's supposed to be a shooter or not. He hasn't been in the NHL for very long. He was in the KHL for a long time. Is Sabatka a
1: guy you would take a flyer on as long as he's playing with Vladimir Tarasenko? Sure. Of course I would. He's playing with Tarasenko. That is a money spot to be, so go ahead.
0: Okay, and then obviously don't do that and take Paul Stasny. Instead, if Stasny is available in free agency, he's the one also on line one with Tarasenko, but he's also on power play one with Tarasenko. Four points in three games after another assist today. Stasny's always been someone who's been kind of inconsistent and seems to be at the top of free agency in a lot of leagues, but just it's a really great situation to be in. I feel like as long as he's there, he should probably be owned.
1: Yeah, Stasny can do well when deployed well, but he gets moved around the lineup often to take on different roles, so he looks good at the moment. But if I recall correctly, the same thing happened last year. He started off in a great spot, got moved around, and of course his value changed significantly as he got moved around the lineup. So the same way you're watching Bucinievich's minutes, you've got to watch Stasny's line combinations and not post those line combinations. That's a better analogy.
0: Yeah, so I think Stasny right now is definitely someone I would rather have over Kyle Okposo. The more we talk about it, so Brian, I think we should drop Okposo for Stasny in our Dynasty League. We'll talk about that after this. And it's called Dynasty League, but it's only keep four. The, the guy who named this league is kind of, uh, well, whatever. He's doing he's doing his best. As Brian would say, I, w- I wish him all the best. But okay, uh, a guy who could potentially compete with Paul Stasny to be on that top line instead of him is Braden Shen, who's having a nice start to the year himself. Four points in three games. Nothing today, though. But maybe Dauber was right with his 70-point prediction i thought it seemed a little high but shen's definitely starting strong and he's on that top power play so it's possible
1: no i'm gonna i'm just gonna say i don't think it's possible i get the spirit of the prediction however 70 points would again i feel like we've we've taken on thank you to dauber for making this prediction and providing us with must be a combined like 25 minutes of content by now it would be a real leap from shen's career history to suddenly become a 70-point guy at this point in his career. Yeah, he could have good deployment at even strength. Yeah, he could help on that power play. But remember, he's coming from a killer power play in Philadelphia, or what was often a killer power play in Philadelphia, and still just managed around the 55-point mark with those power play points already. So he's going to have to take a huge leap at even strength to get all the way up to 70
0: okay yeah you're probably right but still the people who drafted him must be happy at the moment especially in a hits league because he helps you there as well all right brian let's maybe end it last guy i want to talk about guy i guess mentioned jake allen another huge game today stopped 40 out of 42 shots to go along with his 38 saves versus dallas on saturday he's got a 930 save percentage in three games your league count saves he's probably helping you win that category like it's worth like two starts from another goalie with these jake allen starts looking really good uh yeah So he's one of the guys, you know, there was a lot of goalies we listed that I remember we had in our party tier in Schmore Goldiesborg of like guys who could be good, maybe will be, maybe won't be. Tuca Rask was there. And I hope, I guess people who uh, drafted Rask over Allen are probably wishing
1: they had Allen right now. Yeah, yeah. Allen is the guy who could be good, but often, well, he doesn't choose not to be, but he really struggled last year at times. The interesting thing is that I thought St. Louis would have their defensive game a little more together and that if Jake Allen succeeded, it would be in low volume games more than Not to say he, he wouldn't excel in high volume games at all, but I just wasn't expecting him to need to stop 40 shots on goal. Historically, that's not been the job of the St. Louis blues goaltender. Good for him for handling it so far. I imagine things will settle down in St. Louis. Whereas, you know, I said the same thing about Colorado before where it's high volume. Now St. Louis is more likely to calm down into reasonable, shots against numbers and that would be good for alan
0: well i guess it depends it's uh, it's good but you know it helps you get a high save percentage and a high number of saves if you're having a lot of shots against but you have to be able to stop those shots could hurt your goals against average so kind of depends what stats you're talking about but yeah it would be good for the team overall and probably better for them to get wins if they weren't letting in as many shots okay brian we've just talked about i think like 50 players at least so i think that's a good time to stop it what a fun first not even week It's been like five days of hockey and it's been a blast. Next week, we'll be back at you with a full week's show worth of content but you can get content even sooner than next Sunday because patrons of Keeping Carlson get a bonus show every week. So if you're a patron of Keeping Carlson, you're going to get our special patron-only show this Thursday. So it's a program that we have out there for people to help support the show. And we give you a lot of perks of the extra bonus content. It's just one of many. So check it out, keepingcarlson.com slash patron. We'd love to have you on board for this season.
1: And if you like the show, check it out. You should also give us a five-star iTunes review if you haven't already. Well, I mean, I said you should. That might be a little strong. We would really, really appreciate it if you did. Those help us get noticed on iTunes. And the more noticed we are, the more listenership we get. And the more listenership we get, the closer we are to opening our premium craft beer and nachos restaurant. (laughs) yes that would be great okay so to recap i guess that's it right thank you everyone for listening it's the first
0: you know regular show of the season i had a blast and we'd love to hear your feedback know what you like you know we've got a long season ahead and we plan to just keep bringing you the content every single week twice a week for the patrons so once again keeping carlson.com patron if you could give us a five-star itunes review that would be amazing and with that brian let's cue the outro music and why don't you go ahead and read us the credits
1: All right, I'm going to throw one more link out there before I get to the credits, Elon. FanDuel.com slash K-A-R-L. Join us starting Wednesday night to compete against us Thursday in a daily fantasy contest. We would love to see you there. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and supported by our patrons, including our most recent ones, Mike H., Kyle W., Arvind R., and someone with the username Xpingu. So thanks for that. It was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Pool, Dauber Prospects, Corsica, The Athletic, Hockey Reference, Hockey Viz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, Roto World, and Fantrax
0: great job as always brian we'll be back with another regular episode next sunday 7 p.m that's our regular time moving forward you can join us live keepingcarlson.com slash live and we'll also have our weekly mailbag show for the patrons thursday at i think it's seven thirty p.m but we'll let all of the patrons know through patreon
1: wait elon you, you've said something about an extra show this week
0: i said that already what are you
1: talking about i'm teasing you it's like the ninth time all right, all right, let's end, let's end it. Thank, good job, Brian. We'll catch you all next week. Until then, keep on keeping Carl-san.